So the story of God begins like this. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. But when it comes to the story of creation, how do we fit in? Well, we are, as the saying goes, but a tiny speck. But how small are we really? Let's start with our great planet Earth. If you were to travel around the world on a cruise ship, and I highly recommend that as the travel mechanism, it, was, it would take you about 108 days. In fact, in 1933, Wiley Post actually was the first pilot to fly around this beautiful blue and green planet of ours. And he made the trip in seven days, 18 hours, and 49 minutes. Today, if you could get your hands on a Mach 1, and if you knew how to fly one, you could make the trip in about 10 hours. But that's just our great planet. So how big is the Earth in comparison with the universe? Now, if the sun were as tall as a typical front door, right? Earth would be the size of a nickel. And our sun is just one star of at least a hundred billion stars in the Milky Way. Just consider for a moment that while Earth has an equatorial diameter of 7,926 miles, the Milky Way is about 621 quadrillion miles. That's 15 zeros if you're counting. If we talk about traveling around the world, that's one thing, but what would it be like to travel across the Milky Way? Well, think about it like this. American spacecrafts are actually headed out of our solar system to what scientists call interstellar space. Voyager 1, launched in 1977, is the farthest one out, more than 11 billion miles from our sun. It was the first man-made object to actually leave our solar system. Voyager 2 is speeding along at more than 39,000 miles per hour, but will take, get this, more than 296,000 years to pass Sirius, the brightest star in our night sky. Now, I know Texas is big, but this is just a little taste of the vastness and greatness of the earth and the heavens that surround us to help us deal with our Texas-sized egos. And this may be the best place to start for an understanding of God. Just taking a moment to consider creation. The scriptures say he builds his lofty palace in the heavens and sets its foundation on the earth. 
He calls for the waters of the sea and pours them out over the face of the land. The Lord is his name. Amos 9.6. By the word of the Lord, the heavens were made. Their starry host by the breath of his mouth, says Psalm 33.6. This is who God is. And this same God who created the heavens and the earth created you. Every person sitting and listening to me right now was born into this world in the same way. Not with, we all came not with strength, but fragile, small, and weak. We couldn't even crawl, let alone stand up to walk and run. Did you know that babies are born with 300 bones? which is almost 50% more than adults have. For example, the skull of a baby has several bones that overlap. And, and they, they overlap one another so that, so that during birth, it helps them to squeeze out. God made us like little Amazon packages, small and compact as possible. It's just one of the many wonderfully incredible ways that we are made. I remember each one of my children's births. I remember every one of them because here they are, plus uh, my, my daughter-in-law. And I remember their births because I cried every time. It was so emotional because it was such a miracle. It's like the joy of life just springs forward into your life. I was overwhelmed. I remember our last child's birth, Owen. He was number five. And I remember his birth because it was the only one where I got to actually catch him. Right? I got to, I got to catch him as he came out. With, with all the other four, I was mostly in a headlock, typically just trying not to be annoying to my wife, Amy, who was doing the primary work. Let me rephrase, who was doing all the work. But on the last one, I got to cut the umbilical cord and then I, I laid him on the scale that was in the hospital room. And I remember the response from the nurses and the doctors who were all there as the digital scale just began to tick upwards to 10.05 pounds. I know, that's what happened in the hospital room too. Everybody's like, whoa, what an amazing woman. A newborn baby startles at just about anything. Not because the noise is soft or loud, but because it's new. A newborn can hear just as well as an adult, a baby can recognize his mother's voice just by one syllable. Even as a baby, we're able to feel things. Messages from the human brain travel along nerves at up to 200 miles per hour. Our bodies can detect taste in 0.0015 seconds, which is faster than the blink of an eye. When we sneeze, it travels about 100 miles per hour, whatever it is. 
for an adult human, taking just one step uses up to 200 muscles. As adults, we spend about 33% of our lives asleep. Ah, sleep. For reference, a python spends about 75% of their life sleeping. A dog spends about 44% of their life sleeping. And a cat spends 99% of its life sleeping. Okay, I made that last one up. <laughs> Take a deep breath right now. Do you feel that? No, I'm not talking about allergies. <laughs> it's life. It's life. You and I take about 23,000 breaths a day or about 672,768,000 breaths in a lifetime. In the years after birth, you grow into a child and then into an adolescent. And as we grow, these brains and hearts of ours begin to form dreams. We have these things that we feel we were created to do. A group of students were polled about what their top dreams would be, and here's what they said. Dancer, actor, musician, teacher, scientist, athlete, firefighter, detective, writer, astronaut. You see, as kids, we, we believe anything is possible. We study, we go to school. This year, 3.6 million students are expected to graduate from high school. We work hard and we hope we're loved and that we learn to love others. Somewhere along the way, we, we often fall in love. We are created to love, you know. Here's some quick facts about falling in love. Did you know that when two people stare into each other's eyes, their heart rates sync up? Or that cuddling triggers the same neurological reaction as taking painkillers? That's why she likes cuddling so much. And believe it or not, statistically speaking, men are quicker than women to say, I love you in a relationship. We live in an amazing universe. We are created by God as incredible human beings with dreams and longing for love. But I bet if I made every one of you raise your hands this morning and describe your life, that most of you would not use the words amazing or incredible. I bet for some of you, a lot more honest and raw words might come out if you were actually sharing how you felt about this world. So where do things go off track? According to Forbes, nearly three decades ago, 61.1% of workers said they liked their jobs. 
And that number slid over time, reaching an all-time low a few years ago of 42% of workers saying they were satisfied with their jobs. And if we're happy at work, right, what makes us happy? What is the thing that makes you happy at work? The number one cause of happiness is not our salaries or our job descriptions or the equipment or the gadgets that some of us get to work with. The number one cause of happiness, according to Forbes, is the people we work with. Outside of our careers, love is the number one thing that each of us look for and long for. About two million people say, I do, and get married every single year. But there's one divorce approximately every 36 seconds. That's nearly 2,400 divorces per day, 16,800 divorces per week, and 876,000 divorces a year. And we don't just reject each other in marriage. We hurt each other in all sorts of ways. We relive and re-experience social pain more vividly than we can physical pain. Think about the time you hurt your knee in seventh grade and it brings a, a slight twinge of memory, right? But think about that mean thing that your mother or boyfriend or teacher said in seventh grade and suddenly those feelings come screaming to the surface. And these hurts can define us. And the sad part is, is that hurt people hurt people. Abuse, lies, cheating, shame, that mistake that you so desperately wish you could take back. This is what the Bible describes as sin. It is a word, a, a deed, or a desire in opposition to the eternal law of God. And this all goes back to the very beginning because God created not only the heavens and the earth, but God also created a man and a woman. He named the man Adam, which means ruddy or created from the earth. He named the woman Eve, which means living or lively. And they lived in the garden, and in the middle of this garden, there was a tree. God gave them this fatherly warning, and He said, you can eat from any tree in the garden, but from this tree of the knowledge of good and evil, please do not for any reason eat from this tree because it will only hurt you. They wanted to control their own destiny to become like God and by their own knowledge of good and evil they wanted to pursue life on their own terms. They believed a lie from that serpent, the, the enemy of their souls and resisted God's plans and purpose. And their choice separated them from God because they hid from Him. They hid from God. They, they lost paradise and were forced out into the world. You see, sin is 
separation from God. Separation from this amazing creator that we've been talking about. Imagine the worst parts of yourself running rampant and unchecked, destroying yourself and everyone around you. This is what sin does. And listen, make no mistake, we've all sinned. Humankind was in the wilderness for a very long time. We were in exile. We were powerless to make things right. But something had to change. Humankind needed hope, a savior. We needed rescue. An all-knowing, all-powerful being to reach out and rescue every person alive and every person who would ever live to put creation back together the way it was in the garden. What we got was a baby. A small, fragile infant who needed to be changed and burped and swaddled so it wouldn't get too cold. God's rescue plan had begun. A baby born in a barn or maybe even something closer to a cave in a little town called Bethlehem that nearly no one on earth had heard of. God's rescue plan begins. And if humanity had been paying attention, we would have noticed that God had been putting this plan together from the very moment Adam and Eve took the fruit from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Now this baby was no ordinary baby. His mother was a human woman named Mary, and his father was not Joseph, but God himself. This made the baby fully human, able to laugh, cry, feel pain, but also fully God. With power, the power of the creator of the universe stretching from his tiny fingertips to his little baby toes. This made him the most unique being we had ever or would ever encounter. His name was Yeshua, later to be Latinized as Jesus. He lived among us. He learned carpentry. We didn't hear much about him until he was about 30 years of age. And that's when he began to perform miracles. And I got to be honest here, some of them were really strange and weird. Like one time he spit in the dirt and wiped mud across the eyes of a blind man so he could see. An entire town was ready to stone a woman to death and Jesus saved her by insisting those without sin cast the first stone. A man who was paralyzed was lowered through a roof and Jesus said, pick up your mat and walk. And he did. A dead girl was raised to life suddenly and given back to her family. You see, Jesus, he told stories, incredible stories. He, he told the story of a man who was beaten on the side of the road and left for dead. And then explained how a good Samaritan bandaged his wounds and paid for his medical care. Jesus told a parable of a prodigal son who ran as far as he could from his father 
and sinned until there was nothing left, squandered his inheritance and the family fortune, and yet amazingly his father welcomed him back with arms open wide. Jesus shared these stories to show us how much God loves us and how we should love each other. That's why people by the thousands began to follow him. They were attracted to the kindness, attracted to the healing that, that they saw people experiencing, attracted by the miracles of the Messiah. Now, the religious leaders, they, they did not understand his message. They couldn't receive him as the promised one. They wouldn't receive him as the Son of God. That's blasphemy, they told the people. He's a liar, he's a phony, he's a charlatan, he, he must be stopped. You see, they wanted to control the power. They wanted to control their own destiny, to become like God by their own knowledge of good and evil, to pursue life on their own terms. So they believed a lie and resisted God's plan and His purpose, and they separated themselves from God. They convinced one of Jesus' friends to betray Him. Jesus was dragged away in the middle of the night under false accusations. And soon His closest disciples and friends denied that they'd ever even met Jesus. The trial, it was a mockery. Jesus was sentenced to death. But for what? Healing the sick, turning water into wine, raising the dead, showing us the love of God. You see, that same enemy that had caused Adam and Eve to sin was up to his old tricks, once more intent on destroying God's rescue plan for you and me. The people who just days earlier were chanting, Hosanna, you are the king, now screamed, crucify him. He was forced to carry a cross through the streets of his hometown. He had to walk past the, the same men, women, and children, the same people who'd watched him feed the 5,000, the, the people who'd watched him heal the sick and raise the dead, they, they were now asking, is this, is this all a lie? They took him to a hill on the outskirts of the city called Golgotha and hung him on an old wooden cross. Was he angry at them? Did he hate them? No. He knew why he was here. He knew why he had come. The separation from God that had taken place in the garden was coming to an end. At that moment, the doors of his heart were wedged wide open and he was telling us, let me take that sin from you. Give that burden to me. Let me carry it. I am big enough. My arms are stretched out wide enough. I am not the judge you should fear. I am the father who longs for every last one of his children. I am the friend who will never leave you. I am the light piercing through the darkness. I am the hope 
for your sh that your shame cannot extinguish. I am the gift without cost. At that moment, Jesus became the open door to sorrow, suffering, guilt, despair, horror. He took it all on. He took my sin. He took your sin. He took, he took the sins of the whole world on. Abuse, lies, cheating, shame, that mistake that you so desperately wish you could take back. And when it was over, Jesus simply proclaimed, it is finished. His followers must have thought, why did he come? Just to die? They didn't know what we now understand. That on Friday, all was lost. But Sunday was coming. And on Sunday, God would do the impossible. When Mary Magdalene came to pay her respects at the tomb, her face tear-stained, her, her outlook hopeless, she found Jesus was not there. An angel instead was at the tomb and said, you're looking in the wrong place. Jesus is not among the dead and buried. He is alive. He is risen. You see, the message, the message of Jesus has always been about resurrection. It's always been about restoration. It's about making dead things new again. Those dreams that you had as a child, no matter what your journey has been, you can believe that God created you for a purpose. Those hurts you've experienced, those disappointments that you've endured, God wants to heal them and restore you. The mistakes you've made, those failures you thought would ruin you, they do not have to define you forever. You see, this morning, we are here to remember that the God who created the heavens, the earth, the Milky Way, the stars, and this amazing universe we live in is the same God who created you the person who will breathe 23,040 breaths today before it's over. The God who created all of this is no longer separate and distant. You and I can now talk to God at any moment, at any moment, because He's right here by His Spirit, the Holy Spirit. Jesus is restoring and making all things new. And that means you. And that means me. You see, he paid the price for every sin so you don't have to. He took your place, my place. He took it all on himself. And when he did, he conquered death and fear and suffering. And when you and I confess with our mouths and believe in our hearts 
that Jesus is Lord, a miracle happens. You can take away, you can take any sin, any sickness, any stress, any struggle, and lay it at his feet. Cancer, a, a terrible day at work, an affair, a divorce, shame, loneliness, depression, it can all be left at the foot of the cross. See, you and I must realize today that the resurrection is a picture of what's actually possible in our lives. Listen, if someone else's mistake or foolishness has harmed you, or if you've made a decision that you wish you could take back, there is hope for you. If you've been controlled by a sin and it has enslaved you, if you've been disillusioned by an addiction and it has stolen your life, if you've been overwhelmed by anxiety and it seems to be crushing your soul, I'm here to tell you this morning that Jesus wants to set you free. Listen, the Apostle Paul talks about what it means to be free when he says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old has gone, the new is here. You see, God's a creator. That's what he wants for you. If you just, if you just think about it, think about it, open your eyes, look around. The pictures and metaphors of this new creation are everywhere. All around you. It's the amazing process of a seed that dies, but is transformed into the beauty of a springtime flower. It's the sunrise where light washes over every hill and every valley every single morning to make all things new again. It's the butterfly emerging from a cocoon in the miraculous metamorphosis of a new life. Listen, you may feel darkness and emptiness around you, like Jesus did on the cross. You may be walking through the valley of the shadow of death today in your circumstances, but I'm here to tell you that you are not without hope. That resurrection life is possible for every one of us. I wanna invite you here in these final moments that we have together to respond to this amazing God of the universe. This God who has numbered every hair on your head and knows every moment of your life. He knows every story of every person who's sitting in the room right now, and he's here to do something new in you and me on this Resurrection Sunday. And regardless of who you are, or if you call yourself a Christian, or if you're still investigating the claims of Jesus, I'd like you to close your eyes right now and I want you to pray with me I want you to close your eyes because I don't want you to think about anything else right now you see because resurrection changed everything and I mean everything if you have a diagnosis from the doctor that you're worried about 
If you have fear and anxiety that are gripping your soul, if you have a sin that's controlling your life and you just can't seem to overcome it, or a secret that you don't want anyone else to know about, Jesus is here today, right now, to give you a new start, to create in you a new heart. If you have a desire to take the next step in following Jesus, I, I want you to do it today. If you, if you want to experience resurrection life in your soul, if you need the love of your heavenly Father to rescue you because you're in trouble, I want you to pray with me now this Easter prayer. Father, we just come to you as a community and we're coming because we realize that we're in need. And we also realize that as the creator, as the redeemer, as the one who offers life, that we desperately need your life. Lord, we, our circumstances, the threats that surround us, the struggle that we're experiencing in our lives, we, we ask you to break through them today. Bring hope where there is hopelessness. Bring truth where there are lies. Bring your grace into our situation, into our lives. You're the only one who can. Forgive us for insisting on our own way. We ask for your way now a new creation, a miracle, an amazing, incredible transformation. We, that's what we want. Would you do that in our lives today? Help us to see with a new perspective what is truly possible in our lives and never let doubt and fear determine our direction. Lord, we thank you for this today. We thank you for forgiving us. We thank you for healing us. We thank you for transforming us in these moments. It's in the name of Jesus that we pray. Amen.